So we're turning to Revelation, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 18, we're going to be reading from. But so far, uh, as we've been studying in the book of Revelation, for those who have never been before, it's the revelation which God gave unto him, which is a wonderful revelation that he's given. It's a prophetic book of what's going to take place in the future. And the Lord has given his son all things all things. He's been given his church, the bride. There's a future day coming when he'll be given the throne of David, which is promised. He's given the earth. The world is the Lord's. The world's kingdoms will become the kingdom of the Lord in the millennium. All these things have been given unto him. My God is Father. Wonderful things. We looked at Ephesian church first. And the great thing that the Lord had against the Ephesians was they had left their first love. And it's, we still need that exhortation, don't we? To come back to that exhortation that individually or collectively as an assembly, we don't want to lose that love and affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let our love go cold. It should be growing every day, shouldn't it? The more we get to know our Lord Jesus Christ, that love should be increasing all the time. And we've often said we're looking forward to seeing him face to face. So Ephesians has left their first love. Then we saw... Smyrna, which was a persecuted church. And because it was a persecuted church, the Lord didn't have really anything bad to say about it because they're in the midst of persecution of his children. So he's very tender to them. And then last time we looked at Pergamos, which was the compromising church. And unfortunately, it was allowing in some doctrine, false doctrine, into the assembly which was not good, so it's compromising. And then we come to Thyatira, which is even worse than Pergamos, <laughs> because what we're looking at is, the, is a decline of the church. It's declining in many ways, till right at the end, remember, the Lord spews it out of his mouth in the church of Laodicea. So now we have a corrupt church. A wicked and corrupt church. So we read from verse 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience 
and thy works, and the last to be more than the first, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I have received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now we have some slight differences here as we go into the fourth church. The first three churches, we have that exhortation, let him that heareth, hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. It comes before the promises to the overcomer. Now we notice from the last four churches, it's changed round. The promise comes first. And let him that hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches comes last. Now there must be a change there and there must be a difference there and there must be a reason there, mustn't there, why there's a change. <laughs> uh, the brethren seem to think that the first three churches, there's an appeal to the conscience of the assemblies. No, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's appealing to their conscience. Now the promise comes more to the fore of the overcomer and then we need to still listen and hear what's being said to us. And therefore it's a great encouragement to us to have that last, isn't it? Because we've taken it all in, we are listening and we're taking it all on board. So that's the difference in that, in that section there. They do say that the first three churches, they have now lost their testimony, combined testimony, corporate testimony, and these last four churches will be seen right to the end. They will come into the end. As usual, in chapter 1, each church gets an aspect of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that was seen in chapter 1. 
And there's no change with Thyatira in that either. And I'll just read it to you when I find it. And scan with my glasses off. It says in verse 14, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice the sound of many waters. Fire in scriptures always speaks of judgment. Brass speaks of righteousness and judgment. And remember, we said, we've said lots of times, haven't we? The Lord here is judging his churches. All judgments being committed to him as well. And here we see the Lord judging his churches. So when we get onto the church of Thyatira, it says, These things saith the Son of God, who his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. So that is specific to Thyatira. The other thing that's changed there, in the glory that they see in Revelation 1, they see him as the Son of Man, which is very important. Here it's changed. It's the Son of God. So there's a reason for that change as well, isn't there? Son of God is the supreme authority of the Lord. That's his title. Supreme authority. It is assertion of his power and authority. So that's the change from the Son of Man to the Son of God. Now, as usual, the Lord seeks to commend where he can commend. And that's always a good process, isn't it? And I've said that with regards to my work in the hospital. It's one of the first things we do. We commend things that we can commend. And then what they need to put right, we need to tell them what to put right. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll go out and do the same thing on patients, which wouldn't be good. So you want them to go out of the training doing the right thing for the patients. So you commend what you can commend, but you make sure you put them right and where they're going wrong. And this is exactly what the Lord is doing. So he commends first. He says, I know thy works, and their love, their service, and their faith. All these things are wonderfully commendable. And thy patience and thy works. And the last to be more than the first. So they were growing there in fruitfulness, weren't they? They were, they were doing more than at the first, which is good. All that is good and commendable. When we read these things, we, we look forward to the but, don't we? There's always a but. <laughs> but. Nevertheless, I have a few things against thee. Now remember when we're talking about these, we're, we're talking about the, the assemblies and the corporate, we're thinking about it as corporately, we're thinking about these things. But also as individual Christians, we can think about these things. Like an individual Christian can lose their first love. Yeah. That sort of thing. So we can always apply it individually as well. So when the Lord says, I have a few things against thee. He may have lots of things against us. Right? In our 
everyday Christian lives, things that he's not happy with and we could improve on. So it's a lesson to us. I have a few things against thee. The main thing that is against is this, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now we all know about Jezebel from the Old Testament, don't we? She was the daughter of the king of Sidon, and she was a worshipper of Baal. She married Ahab. She stirred up Ahab to wickedness. Constantly stirred up Ahab to it. So she was a wicked woman. She had Naboth murdered because he wouldn't give up his inheritance in his vineyard. And Ahab wanted that vineyard. He coveted that vineyard. He was all solemn and woe is me and his face against the wall because he couldn't have this vineyard so Jezebel said no worries I'll go and get it for you and she had the man falsely accused and murdered so that shows you how wicked she was and she persecuted the prophets of the Lord she wanted to obliterate them as well. She had her own prophets in place, the prophets of Baal. And there was one man, Obadiah, who rescued a lot of the Lord's prophets in caves. He hid them in caves and fed them from her wickedness in the days of Elijah. So now she signifies something else. Jezebel signifies something else. And the brethren writers think that this church which is corrupt. It's speaking of Roman Catholicism. And the wickedness has got to such a height there's the blessing what came in of the Reformation. Yeah. And the Reformation came in. It was a glorious Reformation. There's return to the scriptures. We got the Bible in our own language and we then had Protestantism and Catholicism. So Protestantism took away that key thought that Roman Catholicism was the whole church. So the Lord's done that to stop this corruption. He's intervened, hasn't he, in the Reformation to stop this corruption. And the, and the Reformation is wonderful. But many of the brethren will tell you it did not go far enough. And when we get to chapter 3, the dead church, uh, will there be a look at that as well? Yes. The Reformation could have gone further. But give thanks for the blessings of the Reformation because we've got the Bible in our own hands, in our own language, which, which is wonderful. So Catholicism, there's a lot that is wrong in Catholicism with doctrine, yes? Now, the Lord's saying here, the Thyatira assembly, was tolerating Jezebel, this prophetess. They were tolerating it. The lesson for us here is do not tolerate false 
doctrine. Don't give it any space in the assembly. Yes? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Paul said that about the Galatians when there was Judaizers and they were wanting to Judaize the Christians and make them be circumcised and keep the law. All that was bad. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Yes? And what that means, it affects the whole character of the assembly. And leaven in scripture always speaks of what is bad doctrine and what even worse, error mixed with truth. Well, that's more important, yes? Because that's a bit more subtle, isn't it? If you have some truth, but you've got error mixed into it, that's more difficult to discern sometimes. Error mixed with truth. But they tolerated it, and that was not good in the eyes of the Lord. The doctrine of Balaam, that was making inroads into the meeting, but here now, it's established. It's so established, there's children born of this corruption. And that's a big problem, isn't it? Because not only has doctrine come in and not been dealt with, it's come in and found a permanent place. And now it's going to be even more difficult to get rid of it, isn't it? And if you talk to Roman Catholics, you, you know, the, the, the priest will say, don't they? Give me a child and you'll be a Catholic for life. Yeah? Children were born of corruption. And it's very difficult for them to get out of the Catholic system. We have a brother, John Tomlinson. He won't mind me saying this, but he is a true Christian of the Lord. Yeah, he belongs to the Lord, uh, but been in the Roman Catholicism all his life. Very hard for him to unlearn everything he'd learned there and to come back to the truth of the word of God. Very hard for him to do that. In Roman Catholicism, this is not the authority they go on. It's the authority of the church. The Pope is the head of the church. No, he isn't. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. But when the church is making the decisions, they can bring in edicts and say, right, we'd, we'd, you need to do this, things like purgatory, things like that. They can bring that in as an edict on their authority, not on the authority of the word. Because things like purgatory you will not find in the word of God. The other thing is what they, what they say, and I've written this down because I couldn't remember all of it if I don't write it down, but it says, you might have heard the expression, our mother, the holy Catholic Church. Have you heard that expression before? Our mother, the holy Catholic Church. This is what the Romans think of Mary, yes? And it's an explanation from the priests why they pray to Mary. The doctrine is based on John 19, where Jesus said to Mary, Behold your son, 
John. John, behold your mother. That's where they get the doctrine from. I mean, they can't get it from that. No way, but that's where, where they're going with it. What they say, Mary is a complete human being, a perfect disciple. Her purpose is to point to her son. You can see how all this is bad, can't you? Mary is the moon which reflects the light that comes from the sun. This is their explanation. Woman, when Jesus said, woman, behold your son, they interpret the woman as Eve, the mother of all living. And therefore, she's the mother of all redeemed. Now we can all, I'm sure everyone here tonight can realise all this is very much false doctrine. And Jezebel signifies the influence of Rome in corruption and wickedness, as we've said already. So, and then what they say then is, <clears throat> so all the disciples have a mother. Jesus gave us his mother to be our mother. None of that makes sense, does it? Absolute no sense. And to pick that out from John 19, you know, behold your mother. John was simply being told by the Lord, you look after her, take her home. Yes? Under the circumstances. That's all he was saying. Not that she's the mother of all the redeemed and you need to pray to her. They have the sacrifice of the Mass. Have you heard of the sacrifice of the Mass? The strong arguments they'll make for that as well. And that is the Eucharist where they believe that the actual, they're eating the actual body of Jesus Christ and they're drinking his actual blood. They say they, they, the Old Testament had priests they say the Old Testament had lots of sacrifices and those Old Testament priests and those Old Testament sacrifices go on to the end. So therefore, they have priests, they have an altar. It's a bloodless sacrifice and it's all false. Very much false. And they'll actually turn around and say, ah, oh, well, you Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Church of England, Pentecostal churches, you all have a table, and here you have an altar. <laughs> and some churches seem to be set up like that, don't they, where they, it looks just like an altar. But it's not an altar, is it? So all these things, are the sacrifice of the Mass is all wrong as well. So all these things are corruption. And it's embedded, isn't it, now? Roman Catholicism is embedded. Thankfully, the Reformation came in. So when it says she was a prophetess, she, seducing myself to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. When it talks about fornication and Adultery, it means like spiritual adultery, unfaithfulness to the Lord. That's what it all means. And the Lord here says, I gave her time 
to repent of her fornication, but she repented not. Same as in the Old Testament, Jezebel did not repent. And she met her end, Elijah told her what her end would be, and she was thrown out of the window by one of her eunuchs, and she was killed on the floor and trampled on by the horses. And that was the end of Jezebel. I, the Lord, search the reins and the hearts. The reins are kidneys. It seems strange, doesn't it, to talk about kidneys? <laughs> but the reins are kidneys. But what it means is the will, the mind, and the heart is the affections. The mind and the affections. He searches the mind and the affections. Right? He searches that in terms of the bad things. He also searches that in terms of the good things. The Lord knoweth my uprising, my downsitting. He understandeth my thought afar off. There's not a word in my tongue, but he knows it all together. Wonderful, isn't it? That he knows all things. Because his eyes are a flame of fire. His eyes see all things. And he judge, he judges. His eyes are a flame of fire and he's judging what he sees. Now the nice thing with this is not everybody was taking part in this corruption. There's a remnant of the Lord's people here in verse 24. But unto you I say unto the rest in Thyatira as many as have not this doctrine so there's those within the church who are not taken on board this doctrine. And by the way, I should say that there may be some genuine Christians in the Roman Catholic Church, yes, generally saved people, but they haven't come out of it because they might be ignorant of certain things, but they haven't come out of it. But there'll be definitely some of the Lord's people in the Roman Catholic Church. But some have come out. I remember I talked about my friend, didn't I, the other week. She came out of Roman Catholicism because of these two things, the, the drinking the blood, actual blood of the Lord and his body and a large statue of Mary and a small statue of Jesus. And that was enough to bring her out <laughs> of the Roman Catholic Church, which is good. But these have not known the depth of Satan. So they haven't gone into these things that are being identified here. They're staying true to the Lord. And we notice this in most others, haven't we, that the Satan plays a prominent part, doesn't he? We, we looked at the persecuted church, the synagogue of Satan, and the devil shall cast some of you into prison. We looked at Pergamos, where Satan's throne is, and where Satan dwelleth and now here we've got the depths of Satan this tells us doesn't it our enemy Satan is against the church and the people of God yes. isn't he he's there now we don't hear many sermons do we on Satan 
Because who wants to talk about Satan? We don't really want to talk about him, do we? But really, we should know our enemy. Yeah? Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. So we should know our enemy in order to combat it. But I personally would not like to stand up and talk about Satan for half an hour, really. <laughs> no. no. But it says, And that which you have already, hold fast till I come. Now this is the first time from the churches we read of the coming of the Lord. Because remember when we're talking about these days, it's the medieval days and the dark days, yes? Not a nice day to live in, the dark days, the medieval times. So all is dark, but the brightness is I'm coming, yes? Hold fast till I come. That's held out to the church now in, in the midst of all the things we see in Christendom and we're thinking, oh, there's so much bad in Christendom, isn't there? And we, here we are seeking to be faithful to the Lord and faithful to his word. And we see the things that are going on in the church and its testimony to the world is often appalling as well, isn't it? But we know the Lord is coming. Hold fast. Hold fast till I come. That's what we need to do, isn't we? Hold fast to his name. This is what... Uh, the last words of Paul, wasn't it? He says, I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. And he says this, and this is our, for our encouragement. I have fought a good fight. Yes. And he's done that to the end. I have finished my course. He's endured to the end. He's about to be martyred, isn't he? I have kept the faith to the end. And here we have the Lord Jesus saying to us, keep my works unto the end. Keep it to the end. Even if it means death, keep it all to the end. Hold fast till I come. And then we have the promise to the overcomer. The overcomer, remember, are the faithful and keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I have received of my father. This is a quotation from Psalm 2 which talks about the millennial kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to share with him in his reign in the millennial kingdom. That's the promise to the overcomers. And there's many Christians out there who do not believe that will be a millennial reign. <laughs> in, 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 they are. In their, es in their eschatology, they've missed this out completely. And therefore you think to yourself, wow, well this promise means nothing to them whatsoever, does it? And this is where I can't understand why we're all different with eschatology. <laughs> but you can see that as a barn door, can't you? This is a promise to the overcomer that they're going to reign with Christ in the millennium. 
So what explanation do they have for that promise? They won't have any, will they? And then he says, as I have received of my father. He's got the throne of David. He's going to reign. All the Gentiles will be under his control. All judgments given unto him. A thousand years, wonderful. For his glory. We are coming with him after the rapture. As I keep saying, he's coming in his father's glory. He's coming in his own glory. He's coming with all his saints. And he's coming with all his angels. All his holy angels. <laughs> and that's going to be a magnificent sight to see. And when we're, we're before the judgment seat of Christ, we're getting judged there as well, the judgment seat of Christ, not for sin, because that's been dealt with. It's nothing to do with sin. It's all about reward for your service to him. And there'll be rewards dished out, yes? And those rewards will take place in that millennial reign. We'll be given responsibilities to do according as we have served him down here. So that's a wonderful thing. And then I love this one. I will give him the morning star. Yes. Now to see the morning star, you've got to be up in the night. <laughs> right? And again, the night is the darkness, isn't it? And those who are through the night, they will see the morning star. The brightness of his coming. And we're going to be taken up to be with the Lord, aren't we? Into our heavenly inheritance, because that's where our heavenly inheritance is. The morning star. Spoken about in Revelation at the end as well, isn't it? I am the bright and morning star. All is bright and wonderful with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it? All down here is miserable sometimes, and darkness and problems. <laughs> but all is bright when we look to Christ, and he is the centre of everything, isn't he? The centre of everything. And then it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. Let's take it all in. It's beautiful, isn't it? Take it all in. Encompass the lot. <laughs> uh, because it's, it's great for us. It's encouraging for us. In the midst of a church that was full of corruption, hold fast till he come. Let's pray. Amen. Our Father, we do thank thee for all the glory which thou hast given our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank thee for this magnificent revelation that thou hast given of him, his curtain drawn aside so we can see the future and the future is his and we thank thee we know the end from the beginning and that's a great comfort to us to know what is going to happen in the future for we know the end and we would like to stay our course 
we would like to stay with thee, Lord Jesus, to the end. <coughs> Whether else come or to the end of our lives, to be faithful, to be true, to love thee with all our hearts, and to serve thee in grace while here. We give thanks for our own assembly here. The blessings of being amongst thy people. The blessings of the reading of thy word. The blessings of the gospel. The blessings of gathering to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The breaking of bread. And the Lord's Supper. All these things encourage us and cheer us. And as we often say, we give thanks for the fellowship of saints, the family, and thou art our Father. Thank thee, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.